You're listening to the Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We're joined today by Paula de Mayer, who is a ex-Johannesburg traffic official and now chairs the one-on-one group, which is involved in security projects, investigation projects, um, accident reconstruction, and all the kinds of things that one would imagine an ex-traffic official would be involved in. Polo, welcome to the show. Oh, welcome, Alice Jed. Polo, let's chat about Arto. Let's just dive right in. If one looks at similar legislation around the world, it creates a demerit system where if one is a poor driver, if one is a bad driver, you can lose your license very, very quickly. In fact, they can even take your vehicles off the road. They can re- get your discs removed. That's if one looks at the extreme measures in Australia, for example. South Africa wanted to roll out something similar. It was going to happen in June of, and July of this year. It was going to be finally enacted. And now suddenly we find out it's unconstitutional. So let's find out first, what is Arto and do we have a need for Arto in South Africa? Okay, Chad, remember in 2016, I was on 5M about Arto and administration of the road traffic ordinance. And in 2016, I already said that Arto wasn't going to work. Uh, fighting it from 2007 when it started all the way to 2016. You'll remember that in JMPD in 2016, they wanted uh, Arto to be scrapped. And the minister said no. And we said with a problem that every single minister comes in every two years, they've got no experience, and they want to run a, prode- a, a project that is, just doesn't work. Now, Otto was supposed to make the road safer. Uh, vehicles would have been more roadworthy. But at the end of the day, there's no law enforcement. Okay? Um, there's a fight between provincial governments, municipalities, and local governments. And that was part of the constitution now that was... Uh, ruled uh, that Otto was uh, unconstitutional because of powers and taking powers away from municipality, provincial roads, and there's so much more. I mean, that's under the constitutional part. But to have anything effective, you have to start off with proper proper systems where you've got proper law enforcement. Uh, if you don't have law enforcement, you you don't have a system. You you need your licensing departments that um, are running. And fees that are paid to the departments to get paid over so the roads can be repaired. We got nothing in South Africa. All they're doing is in government they're stealing. Uh, they're still everything that comes from a car license to 78 rand to 58 rand. So unfortunately in South Africa we got no system that comes from national government that's actually stealing. So help me to understand this. When, when something goes to law, it starts as a green paper, it becomes a white paper, becomes a bill. Everybody has an opportunity to read this. Then it goes before Parliament. Parliament says yes. Lands up on the President's desk. He signs it into law. It becomes an act, and they then put a date that it's going to be placed into force. Surely, in all these years, since 2006, somebody read that this is unconstitutional because they're separating powers that should be granted to provincial and local authorities and taking them away and giving it to government. Why did nobody pick up on this? Uh, Chad has been, it's been mentioned many times, but unfortunately the, the ministers change every two years, like I say. And every time they try to roll out something, it's always through a new minister that doesn't even know the act or actually know what Otto is. Uh, I mean, the constitutional court and a number of judgments made it clear that the executive power, I mean, conferred exclusively on municipalities and provincial governments that may not enroach upon the national legislation. 
I mean, that, 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 that has come from JMPD. Everybody's raised those points from 2006. It's now 15 years later and there's not even a court. I mean, in 15 years, you want to tell me that the, the government could not get a court right. Doesn't make sense. When we come back, I want to chat to you about the implications of not having this demerit system in place. We're going to listen to some ads. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Today we're talking to traffic specialist Polo de Meyer about the recently ruled unconstitutionality of Arto, something that's been in the works since 2006. And as it's about to be rolled out in 2022, civil society gets it right in the high court to have it declared unconstitutional. Absolutely bizarre. Polo, as a specialist in the traffic environment, somebody that's come through the ranks and worked when it was still traffic departments in Johannesburg before it became Metro Police. What is the biggest problem we're facing on the roads at the moment? Why are we seeing this lack of respect for, for road rules? Why are we seeing this increase in accidents? Is it simply put down to corruption? Is it simply put down to the fact that nobody's enforcing it? Or is there something greater at play? I would say, look, auto has been a mess from 2006 to now, 15 years. Municipalities have gone bro- uh, broke. JMPD has gone broke. Service providers that were serving a service to them have gone broke. They need to go back to the, the old Road Traffic Act. Uh, take, like they say, it's unconstitutional. Go back to the drawing board. Bring back the old National Road Traffic Act for Jane, for Janesburg and Tswane. Bring out the old section summonses where you get stopped on a road, you appear in court. If you haven't appeared in court, there's a warrant of arrest. Then there's consequences because now you know you're going to be given a, 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 a summons to appear in court. So there's, if there's a roadblock that's legal, as auto, basically that's an infringement, there's a courtesy, there's an enforcement, and it doesn't work. So people have lost respect, and there's only like a 3% pay uh, rate on traffic fines. And I mean, I should know, in 2012 and 14, uh, when I had Moby fines, we we lost money because we only had a, a percentage of about 3 to 4% of people paying fines. But now we send out a, a, a SMS to you, and it's costing 16 cents. You take it 16 cents out and take under 800,000 people, it's costing us more to send out a summons and a, a message for you to pay your fine when you just ignore it. But with the old Road Traffic Act, at the end of the day, if you get a summons, you know you're going to pay. Uh, it's been working in all other municipalities for the last 15 years. Go back to the drawing board, go back to basics, put more officers on the road, but more on patrol. We got, we got no officers actually patrolling the, the, the areas. Go back to law enforcement where People are going to get caught for reckless driving, for changing lanes, trucks in the right lane. We need to go back to the drawing board. We need to look at road safety of people. And all these illegal licenses that are coming up, it's even worse because it's making it more worse. So so we're seeing a lot of JMPD members on the ground. We're hearing that they're patrolling the city of Johannesburg, but they're on foot. And we're seeing literally clusters of dozens. We've heard that they're there to bring... Um, crime down and safety back to the inner city. And we see traffic vehicles on the road or metro police vehicles on the road. But one thing we don't see is unroadworthy vehicles being pulled over. We don't see people, like you said, that are driving recklessly being pulled over. 
And I'm beginning to think that with the change from being called a traffic department to being called a police force, that there may be a bit of confusion here, that these guys are thinking they're more the super cop trying to um, apprehend criminals than actually concentrating on enforcing the importance of road discipline. Uh, you see, Chad, and this is also where uh, Otto was a mess up because you had the Road Traffic Management Corporation. You got the National Provincial Police that's on the road. So, they, they, where, where is JMPD? Is JMPD a, a police uh, unit or is it uh, a traffic enforcement unit? So, I mean, on the freeway patrol, you see all these black cars, blue cars. The end of the day is who they're acti- they acting for? They're acting for national government or local government. Now, if you're in a municipality like Johannesburg, we need to get back to the roads. Now, it's good having foot officers like David Temby just brought back now. And I'm welcome back to David. I mean, yes, he's a great officer and he's a great MMC. He's going to definitely bring Johannesburg. But we also need to get back to the roads. We need, we need to take the roads back from these people that are acting illegally, driving illegally. And it all comes back to the basics of putting officers on the road and enforcement. And we don't have that. So let's talk about the funding. We know that in the past the traffic departments in the respective municipalities were able to use a lot of the fine money to be able to fund their initiatives. We're seeing that there's been a growth in respect of JMPD in terms of their numbers, in terms of their vehicles, but they're not getting the, 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 the financial resources they had previously. So this is obviously coming out of rates and taxes. It's coming out of monies that could be used in other departments. Is it important from a financial perspective as well, not just from a adherence to the road enforcement of discipline, but from a financial perspective for our traffic officials to be issuing those t- those tickets? 100%, Chad. And, I mean, you, this has gone to the licensing. A license, uh, uh, the e-natus came out in 2007. I mean, we're paying 36 rand, and it was set a once-off fee. But it's now gone up to 82 rand. I mean, at that stage, it was 238 million that the government made in 2007. It's now 15 years later, and that fee is 82 rand. But you don't see that money go back into the municipalities or on the roads and fixing the roads. So there needs to be, a, like the local government, exactly like this um, act with the uh, constitution, money needs to go back to municipalities. Municipalities need to come back and make their own rates because they've lost the rates for 15 years. Any municipality is going bankrupt. So what I'm taking away from this, and this is critical, and I don't think people have actually looked at it this, is that Auto was going to take everything that was localized onto a national level. And where municipalities and metros were reliant on funds that would normally come to them that they could use to roll out in various projects would actually land up in the national coffers. And it's those coffers that are being plundered in terms of state capture and other types of frauds that have been occurring. 100%. I totally agree. I mean, you look at all the money. Let's, let's just go back to 2010. All that money that was made for auto those years, the RTMC and RTI used it for the soccer. They got bailed out twice. Between 2010 and 2016, they got bailed out twice to put money back into a project of auto to work. It's not working because the municipalities have gone broke. And I don't blame the municipality of JMPD now. Having enough, I mean, 2010, 2016, thank goodness now for after that won the case in 2022. But 
the, the financial implications for 15 years of not making proper monies and only a 3% of people paying fines. It's disgusting. And this was say they must come back to the old drawing board, bring back the old summonses, the Road Traffic Act, and put the guys on the road where monies can come back to municipalities. I'm actually flabbergasted talking to you, hearing that we don't have the kind of enforcement at local level like we used to have, and that Arthur was going to take away so much power from the metros. I think we can be grateful that this has to go back to the drawing board, but let's hope that there isn't a void during whatever happens to make auto constitutionally acceptable and the fact that we've got these reckless and negligent drivers on the road, plus we're not seeing the revenue going back where it's most needed in local government. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to change subjects slightly and talk to you about um, vehicle crime and its increase. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We're chatting to Polo de today about auto and vehicle crime in general. But auto as it stood and the way that those funds were going to be directed for other purposes in itself, in my opinion, is a, is a, is a massive crime. But let's move on to crime that affects us directly. Polo, I'm seeing every day on social media cars going for absolute bargains, people are applying and somewhere along the line they're getting conned into paying deposits for non-existent cars but to convince them to buy these vehicles, we're seeing fabricated NATIS documents, we're seeing fabricated IDs, just how bad is this problem at the moment? Okay, Chad, it's very bad at the moment Uh, and we've been assisting sites, I mean, you you know yourself, like scam alert we're trying to help people, show them documentation, Uh, but it all comes down to if it's too good to be true, it's not. So don't look for that bargain when you know a car is 2016 and you think you're going to get it for 30000 So you need to also look. And the second thing is, if you're going to buy a vehicle online, always look at the photos. The photos will have the dealership over, over the photo. So tips like that you need to look at. When you meet a person, make sure they always bring their ID with. Because what they do is they, they send somebody with an Uber. He said, it's my sister or my brother, and uh, you pay the monies over to an account. That account is wrong, and it's usually Capitec because somebody uses another person as a mule, and you, you lose your money. So before you do any transactions, make sure that you know that registration. Go to the license department, check that vehicle is there, or go to the police station. Make sure that is the person that's the real owner. Uh, let the police check the vehicle out because lately – there's a lot of vehicles that are, that are cloned or stolen. And you've got people inside the licensing departments and you've got the, the third-party cures that steal documents. So if you leave a, a document there or the guys pick up, a, say, a ranger, he'll take that ranger's document, he'll go in the system, and he prints that document. When you get the control document, it looks 100% because it's coming, but you haven't checked the uh, traffic department or the licensing. So always make sure that you check all documents, the IDs, if you're not sure, meet at a police station or the licensing department before you do any transaction, buyer or seller. So now you've just given me a new headache because I was concerned that people were buying non-existent vehicles 
pictures of other cars that appear on social media. They think they're buying. Somebody WhatsApps them a copy of a fabricated paper, a WhatsApp of a fabricated ID, tells them to pay a deposit into some or other account because there's so many people that want their car because it's an urgent sale. It's an absolute bargain. But you're telling me that in some instances there's actually tangible vehicles it just so happens that those tangible vehicles aren't what they purport to be. The registration is for another car. Okay, so Chad, I'll give you an example. I just I investigated three cases last year, but my last case was let's take the Ford Ranger. Client, the, the guys are so brave that they came to the client's offices with that vehicle. My client checked the vehicle out. Unfortunately, they didn't know that the ID was false. They didn't know that the paper, the original paper, was false. I mean, and they paid 110,000 rand into a client's uh, bank account. Now, after the case when they went to licensing, all the papers are false. It's a cloned vehicle. It's now the main vehicle that we've been given is not even a cloned vehicle, but they just used that person's particulars of that day. And this vehicle's actually been involved in a robbery. So the police take the vehicle now. The client's out of 110,000 rand. Please be careful because people will come to your offices with the wrong papers. That's how, that's how brave they are now. Always make sure if you're going to buy a vehicle, do it at a police station. So why are these criminals so brazen? You say that they're willing to even come to somebody's office and present themselves in person with these fake papers and fake IDs. I think we all know the answer to the question, but I want to hear it from you. Why are these criminals so brazen? Chad, uh, I, I can't answer that question, but uh, the increase is getting bad. Uh, where they're getting these vehicles, there's definitely contacts inside a licensing department that's given him uh, information. I mean, like my documents. My client's documents was cloned from a licensing department. How did they know that information? How did they get a copy of the old license disc? And this is what I've asked the police. So we work a lot with the police. We work a lot with, uh, I'll give you an exa- another example. Uh, one of the vehicles that we uh, took back a year ago, the vehicle was cloned and it went through a tracking company. Because I'm not going to mention a company. But that tracking company checked the vehicle. Our client's vehicle was cloned. We eventually got back to the real vehicle. And the other persons had a track on their vehicle. Now, how did that tracking company check the license, the registration, the VIN number, chassis number, and put a track on a cloned vehicle? Well, I'm going to answer the question for you. There is too much corruption, and we need to start with baby steps. We can't expect state reform, which I mentioned at the outset of this conversation, to happen on a national basis without addressing what's happening on a localized basis. And until we address every aspect of corruption, we are not going to see a decline in these cases and we're going to see even more brazenness on the part of these criminals. We need to pay the bills. We're going to listen to some of our advertisers. When we come back, I want to hear from you what people need to do to protect themselves from vehicle-related fraud. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. We're chatting today about vehicle-related crime to Polo de Mayer. And before we went to break, we were chatting about the fact that there is such a brazenness in the amount of scams that are taking place using social media, WhatsApp, and other forms of advertising that 
people are being duped. They think that it's if they ask for the person's ID or they ask for a copy of the e papers, that that is sufficient and it, it makes them feel at ease that the transaction is legitimate. The fact that the car is most probably 30-40% below book value should have been a red flag right from the outset, but that doesn't seem to bug the people too much. Everybody's looking for a bargain. But, Polo, it seems that the checking out the Natus paper and checking out the, the ID isn't doing what it's meant to do because those documents have been so professionally either cloned or fabricated. So what are the basic tips for, for, for our listeners today if they want to buy a new, well, not a new car, but if they want to buy a car that's advertised via social media? Okay, my first tip is if you're going to buy on social media, uh, look very carefully because most of the uh, dealers now are actually putting their photos and they're copywriting, but I wouldn't buy a vehicle on, online. I'd personally go to a dealer. Look for a vehicle at a dealer because that's going to be safe. You're buying something online, you're looking for a problem. The second thing is, Chad, our documents are getting is that we've got all these little third-party guys that are doing license and registrations. Anyway, they, you don't know who you're giving your paper to. You give, you're giving them your ID, you're giving them an original paper. Some of the companies are good, like, you know, more and respectable companies. And other companies are there, they're just grabbing the information and that's why your cars are getting cloned. So there needs to be a system now. I mean, and even the license department, uh, I've investigated. Uh, I think it was like 200 documents that were stolen at Martindale Licensing Department. And we got documents that were stolen at the post office. So this, this needs to be addressed from the, the mayor's office, the minister of transport's office, because end of the day, it's, we, we're looking about maybe 100 to 300 vehicles a day that the police can't even do anything about cloning. Can I ask you this, Polo? Can, this, can me, as, as Joe Public, if I'm buying a car and they, they want to deliver the vehicle to me, am I allowed to go to the, the, the vehicle identification unit of SAPS and ask them to give me a police clearance, or is that only done if a car is stolen and recovered? Chad, no, that's only when it's stolen and recovered. But what I would do is, if you buy a vehicle and, and that person comes to you, go, go with that person with a proper uh, copy of a uh, proper ID, don't accept a copy. Don't accept a certified because that stamp can be uh, it's falsified from the police. Take that proper ID with you. Take that original paper with you to the license department or to the police and let them check it on the system. Now, people say, oh, but the police are corrupt. It is safer than a policeman. If you're going to go there, they will assist you by checking the VIN number, chassis number, everything on that system. So can I take it for granted that the police will assist if we arrive at the police station and say, hello, officer, I've just bought this vehicle. I'm in the process of buying it. I'd like you to just verify the details. 100%. And also uh, the licensing department, if you phone, phone the licensing department and you speak to a manager, say, listen, I'm purchasing this vehicle before. This person says ABCD, registered owner, they've got an ID. Does this vehicle belong to that person? Remember cloning, the cloning of vehicle can still give you false documents. So it's very important for you to see the documents first. See the documents, look at that paper, not, and look at the ID. And the only way there is to meet at a police station. Paula, I'm sensing that this could become a losing battle if we don't turn it around. How can we overcome this issue of cloned papers and fabricated papers that are being circulated? Well, it all comes back to the licensing departments. Now, as we started this conversation with Otto, I mean, Otto is there for traffic. It's there for enforcement. We then got the licensing departments. Our licensing department needs to start jacking up 
Because how does it, how does a document get stolen from a licensing department? I mean, 200 documents getting stolen at Martindale. I mean, and, and I'm locked up. Uh, it's pathetic. How does an official document get stolen? I mean, those people that are doing their job need to be vetted properly. Polo, it's, it's, it's disappointing when we, we realize the scale of the problem. And you being in the investigation industry, myself being in the investigation industry, we see on a daily basis how many people are coming to us. And I think you gave critical advice earlier. Stop looking for bargains online. Rather find a reputable dealer. Because if you, if you're going to shop online, you're taking one heck of a risk. Yes, that's true. And also the second thing is that through a dealer, you can always get your money back. Because if he's been, if he's got, if he's been conned, he can always, he can always come back and give you another vehicle. But online, you don't know that person. You don't even know who the person you're sitting with. Because they come with an Uber and you still pay for the Uber to go back. Wow. Well, Polo, I want to thank you for joining us today um, and all the best with One on One Group. And I look forward to chatting to you a little bit later in the year when we find out exactly what government is planning in respect of having their flagship Traffic Enforcement Act be declared unconstitutional. Thank you, Chad. Uh, look, I'm still, I'm still basically working with the departments. I'm still finding out everything, and um, I'll keep the public updated. I mean, from 2016 to now, it's six years, but we, we, we said it was going to be ruled already out in 2016. Unbelievable. Paulo de Mayer from 101 Group, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Chad.